Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictive compulsive behaviors. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Hey, Sue. Hi, Andrew. How's it going? It's going really well. I am happy to be here today. I love when I get to work remotely and get to stay at home and be micromanaged by my dog. <laughs> I know I have a micromanaging dog too. <laughs> it's like she just stares at you. It's like, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> That's right. I don't think Bowie is quite as micromanaging as Lola, but you know, they, they both think that they own the place. So, you know, go figure. We have, we just live here. That's right. We're visitors. <laughs> They're our masters. We give them the food. We give them, yes. The love. That's right. That's right. The love. Yeah. Receiving love actually. Yeah, it seems like that's a theme for today, maybe. <laughs> it is the theme. And I, I wanted to start out just by mentioning why I picked this theme. It didn't just come out of the blue. I, I've grown to believe that through the years, 12-step recovery in general, but certainly from compulsive sexual behavior, is, is really about receiving love. And, and what I mean by that is that Underneath all of the sexual activities and, and various kinds of promiscuity or whatnot is, is really a desire for closeness and intimacy. And receiving love is very, very difficult, actually. It sounds so simple, but as we both know, it's not so simple. So I thought I would dedicate today's episode to receiving love and, and in the context of a conference I just came from, the American Group Psychotherapy Association uh, conference, as well as my 12-step experience, because I think whether it's professional or personal, it, it doesn't matter. It's more a matter of, is our love channel, so to speak, open and available for, for love? Mm, I like that. The thought of the love channel being open. I, I think of the channel, by the way, as sometimes blocked and sometimes open. Mm. And in my experience, I actually feel like I've been more, I've had more ease giving love away and, and taking care of others and mm. everything that I've learned from maybe the time I was born or earlier. And, and, and the idea of receiving love and really letting love in has always been challenging, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if, if we're on the lookout for love, if, if we really open our hearts to, to love, it, it's all around us, right? For sure. Yes, it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet sometimes, and my clients sometimes will say this, sometimes they just feel like the, the veil is down and they're not able to, to really see love, experience love, or receive love. Mm -hmm. 
So it's the same thing with gratitude, right? We can talk about love. We can talk about gratitude. We can talk about compassion, right? That they're, they're really everywhere if our heart is truly open to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we may have days when we feel more open to it and sometimes not so much, right? But it's really an awareness. It's a practice that, that I, I want to start to talk about today. Mm -hmm. I love this idea, just saying. Yeah? How so? What, what do you love about it? I was just being funny using that word because of what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> is it's so abstract, right? I mean, we, we've talked about in the past, like the languages of love and how do you receive love? And, um, but when you get down to it, do you, can you feel it? Can you like, yeah. it's very abstract and like gratitude too. You can't, you can't really bottle it, right? It's nothing you can say, Oh, give me more love. I'm take it here and I'm just going to take it with me. So I have it for later and, and turning the channel. I like that analogy is like whether or not some days you're just like pushing something away or just being super open to it. So it is working that awareness, mind reframing and, and just being aware of it. Because I find that when you are so aware and you can actually find love so many places that you wouldn't even think you could get love from. Right. You know, and like, I mean, we mention our dogs a lot, but <laughs> I generally feel love from Lola. I can feel it. Like, mm -hmm. really her energy. Where do you feel it, Sue? I mean, mind, body, and spirit. Where Where do you feel it from Lola? I, f I feel it in, I mean, I'm a, I'm a chest feeler. So I do feel a warmth in, in my chest mm -hmm. um, from her and from my friends. And when somebody offers words like the L word, does it feel authentic to us? Does it feel real? Does it feel a little hollow or, or rote? So in diff with different people at different times, it's, it's going to resonate differently. But I think it can be abstract, but it can also be very much, like you said, in, in, in your case, in your, in your chest, right? Your heart chakra. So mind, body, and spirit is really what we're talking about in terms of awareness and that receiving love, like you know, we, we did another episode recently, a podcast where the, the guest is just has a really big heart. And, and as a result, it really resulted in me viscerally feeling warm and close to him. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's what we're talking about, that it's, it, it, it's an abstract kind of concept, but it really does show up somatically. Right and and inside of us and, right and energetically that's that's right that's yeah. right and he's not even the same room <laughs> and, and for that no. to come through is just amazing which is so interesting because not only is it um not related to proximity right but it's not even related to whether someone is alive or deceased i mean my grandmother who died in 1998 I can just talk about her and feel warm all over mm. because she was so unconditional and loving and trustworthy and reliable. So yes, I, I, I was really fortunate that I had my grandmother when I was growing up because 
we were buddies and and I did receive love from her. And sometimes it came through her baking, which was incredible. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it came through her hugs or sometimes it just came through her voice. You know, I can hear her voice. You know, she was from Romania. So she had an accent that was really kind of um, very endearing. Yeah. It's very special. Really special. So I want to talk about on the flip side, how we sometimes defend ourselves against um, against receiving love. Okay. So there's a, a saying that psychoanalysts use that we're most defended against our greatest needs. Hmm. I'll say that again. We're most defended against our greatest needs. So if one of our greatest needs is love, they believe, and I believe too, that, that there's a universal pushback that sometimes we, we really, really long for something and we push it away at the same time. I know I, I sometimes experience that with friends or with my husband or, you know, in different ways where I, I might just reach my capacity that day mm-hmm. or, or it just might be just mm-hmm. some, I'm just exhausted and I'm just not able to, to let that in. So that idea that we're most offended against our greatest needs is really, really powerful. I just wanted to to mention this in the context of out of control sexual behavior. You know, a lot of people think that recovery from compulsive sex only focuses on, on giving up risky behaviors, right? Risky or sometimes harmful, dangerous behaviors. And that once you give up those behaviors, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you're done, you're, you're, you've, you've crossed the finish line and, and crossed the finish line and, and, and therefore you've graduated. I did it. Yeah, that's it. exactly. But what's underneath that is really what counts, right? That's the intimacy, the love, the um, deeper experiences of, of connection and vulnerability and, and, and truly allowing yourself to be fully who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So if we, if we think about this in, in attachment terms, since nowadays attachment is, is all over the place, in attachment terms, we actually have a mandate to learn about all of the barriers that get in our way of more reliable, secure attachments. So, so if we really want to count on people, we really want people in our corner, which we could call that a secure attachment. We need to start looking at the barriers that we put up against that. Does that make sense, Sue? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, you bring into any relationship past experiences and issues with trust and issues with respect. So yeah. you can't really have that attachment without those. Exactly. And, and, Going back to my grandmother for a moment, like my grandmother was the ultimate secure attachment. I mean, I, I was just so, so fortunate to have her in my life as long as I did. And, you know, I, I could trust her. I could respect her. I could relax with her. I could mm. know that she was totally there in my corner at all times. And, and so a secure attachment can really be a romantic relationship it could be a friend it could be a family member or of course sometimes it could be a therapist sponsor or or coach for example right so having that you haven't had that experience 
you can bring that and apply that other places. Ideally. So, yeah. Not some people, some people don't have that, right? right? So they're starting from scratch. Starting from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully if we um, are able to find someone who is really, really there, that's, that's really like a template for intimacy. Kind of following up on that, um, doing like attachment therapy, do you try to locate that in someone's lives? Like have like, have them like kind of go back and think about attachment that they may have had that they probably can't like think about in the moment and like go back and say, did you have this relationship with your grandmother that they may not have remembered and then kind of revisit that? Is that like a process maybe? Well, actually it's, it's one of the first questions I ask all of my clients because what I'm trying to find out is what is their experience of attachment or, or, or not having attachment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm always trying to get a sense of who, who were the emotionally reliable people in their life. Sometimes my clients can identify someone and sometimes they can't. Mm -hmm. Right. So like I said before, if they can identify someone, that's a touchstone, that's a resource that we can always go back to in terms of how that impacted them and how they were hopefully able to internalize that relationship. On the other hand, if they can't locate anybody that was there when they were a kid, that's, that's more of an uphill battle because what happens is I actually become oftentimes the first person that they can really count on. But there's a whole process around, as I'm sure you know, around trusting and and believing that somebody is really there because they want to be there, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So there's all kinds of, um, you know, there's like an inner skeptic that's there for a reason because it's it's actually yeah. saying, I don't know if this person is is safe enough to be for me to truly let my guard down, right? right? So that kind of thing is is part of the process as well. Yeah. No, I run into that a lot and yeah. trying to help people and yeah it's interesting yeah um, it takes time so long-term recovery from csb requires a greater capacity to receive love and to hold on to it yeah and i think the key word there is sustainable long-term recovery sustainable. right it's it what i have found and what the research is showing is that you know, the opposite of addiction is in sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection, right? Mm -hmm. Just like Johan Hari tells us on his uh, podcast and, or not podcast on his, um, his Ted talk. So one of the things that I'm really highlighting today and why, why I wanted to talk about this was, was just to talk about, well, receiving love sounds so simple, but it's very complex. And the more we're able to open our heart and, and create more space for intimacy and authentic relationships and love, um, especially receiving love, um, but certainly giving and receiving love, all of those elements are foundational to there being a, a longer term more more satisfying recovery from uh, out of control sexual behavior i love watching that ted talk and i actually refer a lot of people to that 
um, because there's definitely a lot in there. But so when he's talking about establishing and cultivating deeper contact with others, do you, I mean, that speaks mostly to people who are in groups, right? Or do you like encourage people to do that on their own? Or is it mostly something you find that people do within a group, like an established group that they're in? It could be. I, I think there's a lot of ways to do this. And I, I don't think, I don't know Johan Hari personally, but I don't think he feels that it's a one size fits all approach. Mm. I think what he might tell us is wherever you bring the awareness to be more open-hearted to what love has to offer um, or connection has to offer, that can happen in an existing group that you're in that can be in a, a new 12-step type group that you choose to participate in. That can happen with a significant other. It, it's really no, no. Um, I don't think he, he would say that it has to be done in a particular way. He, he doesn't seem like a dogmatic right, person right. to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many rules in different, like, organizations, you know, that... Um we see in 12 step and but one thing i will say about that is because he brought up the idea of groups i believe that group therapy is one of the most magnificent ways to create connection and to learn how to give and receive love and how to give and receive authenticity so i yeah exactly and, and it takes a long time I mean, it's not like an overnight event. Sometimes it takes years actually for some people to feel comfortable enough. But when people hang in there and really give themselves the opportunity to, to truly be themselves and to understand their impact on others and others' impact on them, there's something truly magical about what, what happens. So speaking of groups, <laughs> um, I know you just um, came back from your... American Group Psychotherapy Association Conference in New York, and you want to share with the listeners about your recent experience there. So what does that group have to do with receiving love? It's a great question. And it's one that I ask myself because it's, it's really developed over the years. You know, I went to my first AGPA conference back in 2010. And so I pretty much go every year. And I've invested myself in it in such a way. And by the way, it's not just a conference where you sit back and listen to people's lectures. It's a, it's a very experiential conference, um, both in terms of the actual group experience. There's a two-day, what I call marathon group. They call it an institute group, um, where we're in a group with a master group leader for, I think it's like 14 or 16 hours, I can't remember, but it's it's a lot of group in a very concentrated way. And I, I love that because every time I, I learned so much about myself and I learned about different styles of group leadership, et cetera. But, but what the conference really is for me is it's, it's a passion, first of all, because I, I love group therapy, but it's also about people getting together who are like-minded and really want to be themselves. And some people who go to AGPA think that it's sort of like group therapy camp for, <laughs> for adults. And maybe it has a camp element to it, but 
what, what I take from it and what I took from it this year is that there's a tremendous amount of love in, in the conference. So there's the two-day institute that I mentioned. There's the three-day conference. I usually give a workshop. This year I gave a workshop on men's groups. Um, and people really want to learn and support one another. And so it's not like a highly academic researcher type experience. Um, it's, it's partially professional. And then there's a lot of social events, lunches and dinners. And also there's a 12-step meeting every single day of the conference. Wow. It was established many years ago before I even went to the conference. And I went to three 12-step meetings this year. And, and this is in the conference. So these are all group therapists in a 12-step meeting together from different parts of the country and sometimes from outside of, of our country. Wow. And so I know several of the people year in and year out. It's like same time next year. Right. And that's definitely a love chamber. I mean, there's just, we, we have our day in the conference and then we end our day with the, the uh, 12 step meeting. And I, I just don't know anywhere else that has anything quite like that. So I, I just feel really, really grateful for what that has brought to me. And, and I came from this particular experience feeling just so fed, right? So full that I came back to LA and it, you know, it was in New York, as you mentioned, and I came back to LA just feeling so like really at, at my capacity, but also in such a way that, that it felt just right mm, this year. What a wonderful experience. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. And by the way, there's usually about a thousand people at the conference. This year, we I think we had about 900. It was our first gathering since before the pandemic. So we, first time in three years. It sounds like it was a, a wonderful attendance. And I guess you received a lot of love and you were feeling you were full. So that's, that's great. And that ties in wonderful with... Um, your 12-step experience too, right? For sure, yeah. for sure. Um, you know, there's an expression in the 12-step rooms to suit up and show up to meetings, which is great, but, but beyond meetings, it's also about receiving acceptance from others, receiving compassion from others, and of course, today's topic, receiving love from others. Right, so I, I definitely found out in my meetings that that there's a lot of love to go around, and you know I need to find my people because I can't just haphazardly receive love, but I need to find those that I, I trust and that I feel like I can be truly myself with, you know, and that that for me it's been through retreats and conventions and you know meetings um, through all these years since since the mid '90s actually. And, and the retreats, by the way, is, I, I think I've talked about this before, but I've been to many, many retreats. I, I, too many to count. I think it's like 40 something retreats through the years and mostly up in Santa Barbara, which is so beautiful. And when I first went into 12 step, I was terrified. Um, but somehow I made it up the mountain to Santa Barbara to the first retreat. And I I learned to trust that my fellows in, in the rooms were, were really there to, to say, look, we're all in the same boat and we love you exactly 
as you are. And I, I, I didn't really believe it back then. And it's been very, very gradual. But nowadays, I, I, I get where they're coming from. That, that like when a newcomer steps into the rooms, I can love the fact that they have the courage to step into the room, right? And hopefully they can hang out long enough to really receive the love that I did as well. Do you think maybe a little piece of that is, you know, remembering yourself in that position coming into the room and, and just being so open and welcoming and giving what you may have received or able to receive? Well, it, it might sound a little cliche, but, but to give back what I've received is, is truly a pleasure. Yeah. that I was given so much love, so much acceptance, so much compassion when I was a terrified newcomer that I really get it when somebody comes in for the first time and, and I do feel that there's an ease to, to, to give back and that's, that's really the 12th step. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. And it's sort of like um, the Desmond Tutu and the, um, and the Dalai Lama talking about how you give and you do receive in that same type of thing. And they were talking about joy. Yes, yeah. that's that's a great example for sure. So it sounds like it's all around us. If your heart is open, you'll be surprised maybe how much love there is. For sure. And and I, I think for all of us, it's it's a gradual process and it's a selective process. I I I think there was a part of me that tried to be liked by everyone at one time and that wanted to be loved by everyone at one time. And, you know, a friend of mine always says there, there's your people and there's the rest of the world and it's your job to find your people. And, and I love that because that's where we get to, find sources of love that really work for us right and and not you know a lot of times um, and I was certainly in this boat um, when I went into program was that I would just I just had a bad picker <laughs> I, I my, when it came to some of my friends when it came to some of my dating choices when it came to some of my sexual choices I just my picker was off and so it's taken years to fine-tune how to really pick those who are going to fortify my life and, and not deplete it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's kind of like a frequency, right? Mm -hmm. And I do feel there is some science behind that, actually. Like, if you're putting out a negative frequency, you're going to attract that same frequency. So if you kind of can figure out what you want to attract and what you want to give out, it will become similar. I think that that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Because so, I was just going to say that when we're in touch with that part of us, the loving, um, open hearted part of us, that that's where there's a, a, a magnet really, you know, things happen, relationships happen, experiences happen, because we're working on ourselves. And, and sometimes we need to close our heart to protect ourselves, right? That's a survival strategy. And sometimes 
it's it's just not allowing for deeper uh, contact with others. So it's 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 not as if it's a linear progression. It can right, take sure. a lot of like a roller coaster. Can take a lot of shapes and forms and and open and close and go up and down. Yin and yang. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to be secure and safe, um, and it all takes work. You know. It does. It does. It's a lifetime of work. (laughs) So if someone out there is listening to this podcast um, and they have difficulty receiving love, what, what should they do, Andrew? It's a great question and it's not an easy one to answer, but I, I just hope that, that whoever is listening that, that has difficulty receiving love can hang in there and, and know deep down that they are lovable and that they deserve love, lots of love. Hmm. And in a 12 step recovery requires us to build more capacity for love and connection and belonging. Um, I believe that healing is really about deeper connection, right? We're biologically wired for it. So, it's really worth hanging in there, you know, for, for the signs that, that exist all around us. Right. And, and it truly will get better, but at the same time, it takes work. It takes some emotional risk-taking, like asking for help, for instance, it takes vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And it also is the awareness that we all carry brokenheartedness of one kind or another. And that's part of the path, actually. Brokenheartedness is part of the path to receiving love more freely. Nicely said, yeah. So I really appreciate your conversation with, with this today, Sue. This, this particular topic is, is so close to my heart. And I really wanted to have some time for us to discuss it in a way that others can can maybe resonate with the idea, the challenge, and the and the barriers that get in the way of of receiving love. Yeah, thanks for bringing up this topic. I, I loved talking about it. Thanks, Sue. Thanks for listening today. It was so great sharing the time with my colleague and friend, Sue Merlino, and discussing this really meaningful topic. If you're so inclined, please give us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time, and don't forget to stay connected.